to become who we want to be as individuals. And at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. And the man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. Jordan Love hit me up the night of the draft. You know, just congratulating me, letting me know it was time to work. Um, AJ Dillon was open arms. Spot Rock caught a ball with his thighs. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching, touchdown, untied. If KP does like these flips after every win, and I'm like just waiting for him to do his flip. You know that we still love each other? That's what football brings us. Across the safety space. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Welcome to the Practice Squad podcast, officially with episode... 078 we are kicking off season three of the practice squad pod super bowl is behind us that means the 2023 2024 nfl season is behind us and now we have nothing else but to look forward to the 2024 2025 season crazy to say it we have free agency coming up we have the draft coming up we have camp coming up we got preseason coming up we got fantasy football coming up and of course going into the season We're going to be here every week. We're not going anywhere just because the NFL season's over. In fact, I'd say based off of last year, this is really when we can kind of turn some stuff up and and have some fun with the amount of content, what type of content we're putting out, all that good stuff. If you miss football, come watch our podcast. And then it kind of brings you right back in. You might not be able to watch games, but we're going to break down games. We're going to break down film. We're going to look at, you know, NFL prospects in the draft. We're going to look at this year and predict about next year. It's going to be fun. This offseason is going to rock. I've had a few requests too. And I don't know, Mark, this is the first time I'm tossing this idea at you for UFL coverage. So a few passionate and and I got to think like, okay, like if you're passionate enough to be tuning into an NFL podcast every single week, you're probably passionate enough to watch spring football. And we see spring football guys make it to the show every single year now. I don't know. I mean, I, I like supporting the Roughnecks personally, um, being, you know, here in Texas fun team wouldn't support the Dallas team ever and under any situation. So that's kind of where I'm at. How are what you if they play against the Cowboys? <laughs> then you'd root for them. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys no, I wouldn't be against it. Too. I have, I have a few buddies that I played with back in, in college that are playing in, in different leagues professionally that are still trying to make it up, you know, to the, to the NFL and are doing pretty well. So maybe we could get some of those guys on. There's definitely some, uh, it's if it's football, it's worth talking about. You know, also we'll dive in a hell of a lot more into college football in the off season because I think there, you know, there's a lot to look at. It's gonna be, it's gonna look very different next year. The expansion of the playoff. You got Nick Saban retiring, which literally shifts the entire outlook of what college football is. I mean, power structure. You have Harbaugh going back to you know the NFL, like yeah, Kelly going to OSU too. That was a shocker. Yeah, I, I don't know dude, if anyone like, saw that coming. The college football world is wide open. Like who is going to grasp it, right? There's Texas, there's Ohio State making a comeback. Can Michigan stay on top with a new coach and a bunch of new players? Um can Ala- can Alabama be Alabama without Nick Saban? Is Oregon going to rise up? Like who's the next like what's the next thing? Um and I think there's a lot to look at with college football. Because honestly, college football is one of the purest forms of the sport, whether there's NIL problems or not. Like you gotta love college football. Um, it's a totally different lot to next talk year about. too. I mean, yeah. so much, so much changes in the air. With realignment of the yeah, realignment of the conference. Like it is a completely new and different thing that we're going to be seeing out of college football next year. And there's a lot to look at to talk about going into that year. So plenty of that as well. This off season, if you if you like football and you miss it and you want to watch and you want to get a taste of it, but you know, it's not on TV and the spring games aren't getting, getting you what you need. Come here. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, we got we got a lot to dive into. Obviously, Super Bowl behind us. Uh, Mark came in pretty confident last week, making a case for Kansas City, and sure enough, uh, they end up winning the game in a pretty similar fashion to I think what we both anticipated and, and described. Um, you know, in my betting pool that we talked about, looking at those key matchups that I was talking about. Um, I think that aged pretty well. And not only that, but Casey did win and the under hit. I'm a lot richer than I was 24 hours ago. Pretty stoked on it. So, um, look, man. What did I we- tell you, John? What did I tell you? If you I watched know. last week's episode, I tried to sell John like my life depended on it. Because and I wanted right. him to ride with me. And I knew that he'd win a lot of money if he was right in the Super Bowl pick. Because I knew a lot was riding on it for him. I also won a lot of money. Uh, not only in this game, but this year, it was a very hot year for us in betting um, in our picks. But the Super Bowl, I mean, spot on, John. Like, everything we said was spot on. I mean, I had any time touchdown scores right. I had over-under on pass attempts right. It, it was, I mean, it was literally perfect in terms of betting for me in the Super Bowl. And I hope people followed and, and uh, you know, rode along to that. Yeah, so so let's get right into it. Um, Starting with the least relevant thing, but something worth talking about. What was your favorite Super Bowl commercial um, for the game yesterday? Um, So mine actually is a, it's one, I don't think it was anything special, but the star power in it was like, you couldn't deny it. It was the Duncan, the Duncan one with Tom Brady. You had J-Lo, you had Matt Damon, you had Ben Affleck, you had uh, like, that's just, I mean, that's Boston right there with superstar JLo in it. Um, I thought it was funny when she was like, you can stay Tom and kicked out Affleck and Damon. And like, I, I thought that was pretty good. It was simple, you know, don't overthink it. Star power, right? Yeah. Um, definitely a good one. Uh, the star power, the, the, uh, outfits they were in for it too. Uh, my favorite, which happened very early, um, in the game was the, uh, youtube sunday ticket advertisement where all the the ravens and the eagles players were birds and it was like a like a david attenborough like nature documentary but it was football players i was laughing my ass off at that one that it was super funny um like when who had i think it was like aj brown like is like like diving into the water and comes out and there's a fish lodge between his helmet i don't know i was cracking up with that one overall um i would say solid uh commercials and also pretty solid on the halftime show, which, like, I don't really like Usher that much. I, he has hits, undeniably, but, like, he's just never been, like, some dude that I've, you know, been, like, a massive fan of. I thought he put on one of the best halftime shows that I've seen in a while. Like, wasn't trying too hard. It wasn't doing a bunch of stupid stuff. Like, it was just, all right, here's all the songs that I'm known for. We're going to dance. We're going to whip out some roller skates for the hell of it. Have some fun. Good to go. Get Little John out there. That always helps, right? I mean, probably the greatest hype man in the world, Little John. You can just shout shit, and it's it's more hype as a result. Like I think, I mean, I think overall, um, it was okay. I don't think, like, I don't think it was anything great. Um, way better dancer than live singer. It's it seemed like to me. For sure, Alicia Keys. I needed more Alicia Keys. She's got. She can sing, dude. She's talented. I needed more of that. I needed more Ludacris. Ludacris rocked it when he came on. That was my favorite part of it. And I think his part was a little bit short, but I think it was okay. Usher being all touchy with uh, Alicia Keys was a little weird, kind of threw me off considering like that was just 
I don't know, that dynamic was really weird. Like the first couple times he was touching her, it was like, okay, whatever, it's part of the show. He just kept doing it. Like the entire <laughs> time she was the entire time she was performing and not at the the piano, he was like on top of her. That would be pretty annoying. Um yeah, and I would so it was Usher and Ludacris like together that pretty much like put Justin Bieber on, right? Like is um, that Usher I, found Bieber through YouTube videos. And then Ludacris and then like Ludacris kind of... was uh his main feature in Baby, which was like right. the biggest his biggest hit as a young, like upcoming you know, so still a bang surprised to, to not day. see Bieber then based off. He was of, at the game. He was at the right. He was at the game. Yeah. Didn't perform. So I, I know a lot of people mentioned that. So um, he's too yeah. big to do a side like a side. Like he's going to he's going to do the Super Bowl. One he, day, yeah, he should be. The he Super should. Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And, man, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, he, he released the past like two albums. Pretty good tunes on there. Bieber's like, a dude. Bieber's a lot, one of, of, the lot best. of really Bieber's one of the. Hey, you know who also rocked was Posty. Doing uh, oh, America the Beautiful. Phenomenal. God, he's so special. His so voice good. is so, like... I, I, he, one he's thing just I one love of... about, about Post, too, is, like, he has found this intersection of, like, country, rap, pop, metal. Everybody likes he him. He can do it it's all, not, dude. Not, I mean, he's got Ozzy he's on He's so track, talented. He's so talented. Yeah, there's just... There's so much to like about Post Malone. Um, except so, he's a Cowboys fan. Except he's a Cowboys But fan. he's from... But he's his. I think his dad worked for da- like for the Cowboys. So it's like, okay. Yeah, reasonable. born and raised in Dallas. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I definitely enjoyed his appearance. Um, yeah, man. I mean, overall, obviously, the Super Bowl, as much as it is a football game, it is a entertainment celebrity spectacle. Like, that is what the Super Bowl... I talked to my dad about it. It was like, look, if you had the money for it and you had to choose... Like NFC Championship with the Lions in it, or Super Bowl with the Lions in it. Like, which one? Like, would you really care to like put? Let's say you know it costs ten thousand dollars a ticket or whatever. And he's like, honestly, probably NFC Championship because I still feel like that feels like a football game. And the Super Bowl, it's like, man, celebrities everywhere. Like, I, I heard the people in the suites couldn't leave their suites because of the you know number of high right. security people once they got yeah. seated in there. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, Obviously, would be insane to attend. I'm not. I'm not saying uh, one or either in either direction, but I did think that was interesting. Like, you know, a lot of entertainment factors that definitely held our attention. Then getting into the game, um, obviously, like, uh, you know, I think an average sports enjoyer would say that that first half was boring. I would say uh, people that are super into the game of football would just say one, it was defensive, and two, the special teams play was out of this world. Now, did that result in not a whole lot of scoring happening? And so it was was kind of boring. Sure. But the thing is, is it stayed tight. Game was, you know, super close and a little bit more scoring happening in the second half. Like overall, I was pretty satisfied with how the game went. How do you feel about how that first half started for both teams? You know, how did they play their cards as they were feeling each other out defensively, offensively, like big mistakes, big plays? What do you feel? Yeah, I thought, you know, a lot of people that say this is boring, like I want to watch like a high pace, you know, high scoring game. You got to respect good football, man. And um, we were watching good defensive football in that first in that first half. And I will say this, the offenses as well coached as they are with Shanahan calling the O for the Niners and Andy Reid and Matt Nagy calling the O for the Chiefs. Very sloppy first half offensive football. I mean, the Niners' first drive was clean. The McCaffrey fumbles. The Chiefs finally, you know, the Chiefs started very slow offensively, uh, backing themselves up with penalties and not being able to. The tackles struggled, which we said right early yeah. on. The tackles struggled. Um, Chase Young had, you know, he was making his his name present, and then 
uh, Boza all day. I mean, they did a really good job keeping Mahomes in the pocket, making him scramble laterally instead of up and out or, you know, letting him get the edge and, and extend plays. But yeah, that first half was really sloppy, man. Uh, Pacheco fumbled. Very rare for him to fumble. I think it was only his second fumble this year. McCaffrey fumbled. I think that was only his third fumble this year. Um, and that was just in the first half. Very, very sloppy stuff. But like you said, special teams were killing it in the first half. Really good. And in all phases, like the coverage on punts, excellent. Like every single punt, like there was a guy right there making the tackle before the returner could even make a Big move. Big hits, honestly. Big hits. Like I mean, perfectly I kind of timed. Teams being yeah, that, perfectly uh, timed. Uh, the punts were great. You know, very, there was not a touchback punt, which is a huge, like, flip and field position in a game like that is gigantic. Um, I thought Spags did an amazing job switching up defensive, like, hiding blitzes, disguising blitzes. They played a lot of zone coverage in the beginning, and Brock Purdy, give him credit, picked it apart. Like, Brock Purdy played out of his mind. Brock Purdy played really, really well. He outplayed Mahomes for th- uh, really two and a half quarters, almost three full quarters. Yeah. Um, and you got to give that kid credit walking into a Super Bowl, like with so much pressure on you. And he just like moment did he not look very too big well, for him. Yeah. very well. Um, I hope he silenced people that try to hate on that guy. Like, I, I don't understand how you can possibly still say that he's not an elite quarterback with what he accomplished this year. Um, so, yeah, a lot of cool stuff, dude. Um, there's obviously a lot of debatable, controversial things about this game, John. Um I kind of want to just go in chronological order of some of the things that happened. Um, I want to start early on. What did you think of the Kelsey on the sideline after that Pacheco fumble, getting in Andy Reid's face? Dude. It was early in the game. Uh, he shoved his head coach, who's a Hall of Fame head coach, a legendary guy, an older guy. That seemed a little much to me. That seemed uh, a little much to me. Yeah, that was insane. Um, put it this way, Mark. I mean – your your coach for for years was your dad. You know him very well, very close relationship. I think if you shoved your dad on the sideline during a game, we would not see you the rest of the season. Like that and like so there's as many, you know, walls broken down between between uh, you know, you and your coach in that situation and even then I think there'd be incredibly severe consequences. Obviously, NFL player, different situation, but like Super Bowl, whatever. Um, if you just take that for what it is and not, you know, add the the superstar context and the the Super Bowl context, like that was insane. Like, uh, it's just it's a line you don't cross. I don't know if he meant it. I don't. I think he might have gone up, like so aggressively up to him that like it just kind of happened that way. Regardless, like like you said, Mark. I mean, that is a Hall of Fame coach that is getting up there in age, and you are a professional athlete that is six and a half feet tall. Like that's, that's insane, dude. You, I mean, you, I lost a lot of respect for Travis Kelsey in that moment. And I, there's people that you can make excuses. He always frustrated. He wasn't getting the ball. He should have been in on that play. He didn't there. I don't care what he was pissed about. You can verbally, even verbally yelling at your coaches usually is wrong. If you're a player at the level that Travis Kelsey is occasionally, yes, you can raise your voice to a coach, right? Like we've seen Tom Brady do it. We've seen Mahomes do it. Like you can argue with coaches. If you're to that pedigree of a player occasionally, right? If it becomes a common thing, it's a problem. You never lay your hands on, on a teammate or, or a coach. You don't do it. Um, and you, especially you don't do it in a moment like that, where the whole world's watching 
and it was early in the game and it was still like it was just seemed like you're panicking like it's not yeah you turn the ball over you fumbled you're losing the game it's not going well but you're very much in this game yeah. you know like i i thought that was i thought that was and i, I mean let me tell you this playing lights out too like it's like it, yeah. like you said the the, ga- the games it's not like the game was was getting away from them in any way shape or form they were down by one score at the time right like it was it was wild to see that um and, I, and i'll tell you this thank god they won because had they not won this would that would be the talk of the that would be the talk of the media for a while like well, it's that already was a, a meme like and, and yeah are, but like, it's you know. but it's not like because they both downplayed it because they won and because kelsey joked about it after because andy reed is mature and joked about it and they both downplayed it it kind of will fizzle out a little bit but had they not won that game Seriously. this would be a very different conversation about that moment because that was a ultimate sign of disrespect to somebody that you you just don't i don't care who your head coach is i don't care if it was brandon staley you don't lay your hands on the head coach like you just yeah. don't do it um which i thought was crazy no it was and i mean and honestly and i'm not trying to like you know sit here and and uh you know get on my pedal stool too hard but to me this year's chiefs were defined a lot about throwing temper tantrums when when the moment felt serious um which is you know it's just unfortunate like i think watching super bowl champions carry themselves into next season with that kind of level of i don't know what you want to call it entitlement right i think to the the Kadarius yeah. tony play you know and how how mahomes was fuming and like you know gets in josh allen's face to tell him about how he thought that call was bullshit even though it was clearly the right call he's just obviously upset about how it altered the game like i mean We've been seeing stuff like that all season from the Chiefs. Um, and look, man, you know, the the whole you die a hero or live long enough to watch yourself become the villain. Everybody was rooting for small market, quirky KC with, you know, Andy Reid and his weird offense and this, you know, interesting, unique quarterback with a laser cannon of an arm. Hill, Kelsey, all that stuff. And here we are five years from now, and there are a lot of people rooting for their demise <laughs> and you hey, hey you keep I mean, winning you keep yeah. winning you're gonna draw hate you become you're doing feel, something man. right if people hate you like they yep. if people hate you like people hate the chiefs right now you're doing something right the same thing happened with brady and the patriots the same thing yep. happened to the bulls yep. the same thing happened to the warriors like the same thing happened to the miami heat where they had that short little dynasty if that's what you want to call it greatness attracts haters because nobody wants to see sustained greatness because they envy it and it's and and it's jealousy right Right. Um, and that's a, that means you're doing something right when people are trying to find anything to talk about that puts totally. you down. They're, and puts they're you Darth in Vader light. now. And, I'll, <laughs> even, and give the Chiefs credit, dude. All year long, they were in the media shit. They are in a Super Bowl hangover. They suck. They'll never get it done. Mahomes doesn't look like an MVP. Kelsey's washed up. Andy Reid looks like he's losing it. The defense is playing good, but the offense can't even hit a receiver. They lead the league in drops. All this stuff that they constantly had to deal with. And, you know, not many people really thought that they would be able to pull together and make the run that they just did. Um, I did, but not many people thought that they would be able to pull together. And I honestly, the only reason I really think it is because Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach and Patrick Mahomes is... I think it's fair to say he's the most special football player I've ever seen play the game after the Super Bowl. Like, all love to Tom Brady. He's still the GOAT until the whole ring thing, and there's still a lot of career left for Mahomes, and we'll see what happens. But he's the Apparently most special player Brady's I've face. ever seen play when you just watch, like, 
when you just watch them play the game, not when you look at their entire body of work. You just watch them play. You put them side by side. Like, Mahomes is so special. Everything he does. I, I mean, dude, 9-2 and two when being down 7 or more in postseason uh, games. 9-2 and two when he's down 7 or more points. Has more playoff wins than Peyton Manning. <laughs> Has more wins in that building than the Raiders have in their new stadium. <laughs> Three it's Super insane. Bowls. He's 28 years old. Three Super yeah. Bowls, 28 years old. Um, down 10 in his Super Bowl wins against the Niners, against the Eagles, and against the Niners again. He was down 10 in each of those games. Came back and won all three of those games. Um, it's incredible. And I will say, when they were losing at halftime, I doubled down and bet more on the Chiefs. A lot more. I felt, I felt really good about where my bets were going by the halftime. Um, yeah. I just I felt like okay the Chiefs are going to come out here and adjust and as long as their defense plays as stout as they've been playing it's it's probably going to be their game. Uh, the 49ers if they wanted to win that game they needed to come out further ahead earlier on like that's the only way the 49ers because they punched uh, them in the mouth early like they, they were did. they were that moving them around was killer man killer just, killer I mean so killer I mean that, totally different situation if that drive you know goes a different way okay so we talked about the first half second half. Obviously, huge defining moment was that that special teams punt. I mean, massive for Casey. Again, special teams was the most exciting I've seen it probably in my life in the postseason for for NFL. I mean, it was crazy, crazy things going on on a regular basis for uh, both punt squads. Um, obviously, yeah. I mean, I think Mahomes kind of figured out um, the type of defense they're playing a little bit more. Kelsey starts to turn up again. Middle of the field seemed to be there, and then he was starting to utilize the scrambling ability more vertically, right? Like when some of those plays started to look busted and people were looking confused, he would just take advantage of the situation, go run a first down and call it uh, clock management. Um, and that drive uh, to tie the game was, was pretty masterful. I, I thought that drive was really, really good. And then obviously Mark's TikTok is blowing up about it. Plenty to talk about Shanahan's overtime decision as well. I just, um, I, I, understand the logic but i think in a situation like that you don't want to have casey in their head we have four downs every single time like that's just not <laughs> an easy situation to play defense in so yeah I'll, i'm gonna backtrack it to like like you talked about the uh the punt that the punt that hit the heel of a 49ers player um i want to clarify that that's inexcusable to happen and it wasn't the player who it hits fault it's on the punt returner uh, I used to, I was I'm a former punt returner. That was I did that in high school, did that in college. Um, if you're not going to fair catch a short punt, right, and you can tell right off the foot if it's going to be short. Sometimes it's a little tougher to tell, but that thing only landed about I'd say 15 yards in front of McLeod, the returner. And the second that you decide that you're not going to go catch it, and you have to make this decision quick, you scream poison or Peter or you. Most people have like a, a word that they scream. And they point to where the ball is. And the people that are blocking for you run towards the sidelines. Get get the hell away from the ball. Because you're not returning it anyway. Leave your block. Don't worry about it. Get the hell out of the way. He called that so late. And you can see him pointing it out and probably calling Peter or whatever it is. Um, but he called it so late that the his teammate didn't have a chance to react. So And he they don't know where the ball is. They're blocking for you. Like, it's your right. job to clear them out of the way and make that decision and be decisive. He didn't do that. Not only that, he compounded his mistake when it hit the guy. He was the first one to see that it hit his own player. 
and he went to pick it up and keep running instead of just jumping on the ball. And so then he fumbled it a second time. Inexcusable, really. I mean, I get there's a lot of pressure in a Super Bowl, and, you know, who am I talking about it? Like, I'm not playing the Super Bowl. But you've got to, like, I know what's right to do in that situation. I've done it in games that are obviously not as meaningful as a Super Bowl. But you got to gotta make that play. And if you do make the first mistake, you can't compound it with the second mistake. If you do make the first mistake, get your ass on the ball, live to fight another day, recover the ball. So that was a huge play because the Chiefs scored the very next play, unguarded uh, MBS. Like, in the second that happened, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. I will say, before we get into the uh, Shanahan thing, I think all the time when you watch these Mahomes comeback games, there's a turning point, and it's usually when he runs the ball. And, like, there was a play, John. It was, like, third and, like, three. He scrambled. He was coming uh, to his left. He pump faked a couple times. And then he lowered his shoulder to get a first down. I don't know if you remember which one. but he got And he got up, and he had kind of, like, that mean mug look on his face. And Kelsey came over and kind of hit him. It's, like, right when I saw that, I think it was before they had taken the lead, too. Right when I saw that. I was like, yeah, this thing's this thing's going the other way quickly. Like right, once he gets that like swagger look on him, that like, hey, you messed with the wrong person. Um, and if you watch the quarterback documentaries on Netflix, you saw him do this several times. He just gets like in a different mentality once he gets that hit, once he lowers his shoulder and delivers something, once the physicality part of it comes out for him, and he's just being like a tough, you know, hard nosed quarterback. I think he wants to be that, and it only comes out in the postseason because he's smart about his health. Once that happened, it was like, okay. This is the moment. Like this is the turning point for them. And from that point on, the Chiefs offensively were rolling. The play calling was great. Uh, Andy Reid give them credit for adjusting to what the Niners were doing. They adjusted their protection, did a lot more chip protection from tight ends, um, from running backs to hold Boza to hold Young. A lot more sight adjust, quick adjustments behind pressure. Mahomes got the ball out sooner. Um, a lot of design mesh crossing routes because the Niners played a lot of man-to-man with two high safeties. So they would just do these crossing routes and run away from people because Rasheed Rice and Kelsey are faster than those safeties and linebackers that were trying to cover them. Just really, really great adjustments. Um, and they honestly outcoached Shanahan and the Chiefs schematically. And then we'll get into this decision. But outside of scheme, not only did he get outcoached outside of scheme and, and avoid, and he kind of left the run game and, you know, kind of, and he did this in his choke in the 28-3 game with Brady when he was the OC for the well, Falcons. Same and thing. I was going to get there, man. Shanahan, unfortunately, this is going to keep haunting him as he makes it to the Super Bowl, and he blows a lead. Bad. Um, you know, 10-point lead, 10-point yeah. lead, and then a 28-3 lead. He's, res- he's partially responsible uh, as the play caller for all of those. And yeah. offensively, when you have a lead, like – yeah, you can blame the defense all you want, but you gotta you gotta continue to put pressure on yeah. the other team. You have, you by have to know getting first downs, lead. getting points. You right. know what I mean? Which um, uh, you know, ironically, Shanahan, you know, is known outside of Super Bowls as one of the best coaches to be playing with a lead. He knows how to hold on to a lead. That's what the 49ers are the built irony. on yeah, I, And then and yet they make it to the Super Bowl and every single time they somehow just find a way to not sustain exactly what the entire team's built around, which is like, keep that offensive pressure on, keep setting up the play action, keep the run game strong so that it doesn't matter if we're up by three points or 20 points, it's going to be damn hard for you to come back in the fourth quarter. And obviously, you know, all three of these games that we're referencing, that's exactly what happened. I really respect the shit out of uh, Kyle Shanahan. I like this 49ers team a lot. I said that a bunch of times last week, and that's why it's like frustrating to be like, man, this is going to be a monkey on your back until it's not. And, uh, you know, 
it's it's crazy to see him flub all three of those moments the way that he did. But you know, go ahead and and, and talk about this this overtime situation because it's uh you know obviously kind of the talk of the town right now. Yeah, so I posted a little TikTok about it, just a one minute rant, but I didn't really get to like explain it in extended detail. Um, and there is plenty to unravel about this decision. So first of all, I want to be honest and say that I was not aware of the postseason overtime rule change. When they went out, when, when the Chiefs kicked that field goal to tie the game and it was going to overtime, uh, I looked at, I was watching the game with my dad. We both were like, okay, this sucks. It's going to come down a coin toss. Like this is such a great game. You know, it's really become a special classic game here. And then they started talking about how they changed the rules. I was not aware of that. I'll be completely honest. I myself was not aware of it. Seems to me like Shanahan and most of this 49ers team also was not aware of it. Like, I honestly mm-hmm. think that might be the case. Um, both teams get a chance to have the ball, no matter what happens. If you get the ball and you score a touchdown, the other team obviously has to match those points to keep the game going. If you kick a field goal, the other team has to kick a field goal. If the other team gets the ball back, scores a touchdown, the game is over, right? So yep. Shanahan and the Niners win the toss. Okay, he calls tails, it's tails. They make the decision. There is actually no benefit, not one that I can think of, to taking the ball first. A lot, a lot of people in the TikTok comments about this are saying, well, their defense was gassed, their defense was tired, they were just on the field for a long two-minute drill, and they just got driven all the way down, and they're kind of you know demoralized and trying to find their breath. Do you know how much time went from the end of that regulation right. to actual, like real, I'm talking real time, not like, yeah. like if I started a stopwatch the second that they you know, clock probably hit zero, 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 minutes, right? Probably longer. Yeah. You had commercial break, you had a coin toss, you had another commercial break, and then you kicked the ball off. So we're looking at between 10 and 15 minutes of rest, okay? And let's keep in mind, it's the it's the damn Super Bowl. Like, you'd have to kill me to have me not – for me to be thinking about, oh, man, I'm tired, I don't know. It's the Super Bowl, dude. Like, you're numb. Like, your adrenaline is at the all-time high that you can ever right. be at. That is such a bullshit thing. Well, our you know our defense was gassed. I wanted to give them a, a series, you know. And then his other explanation was, well, if we score and then they score, we want to be able to get the last laugh and have the third possession. It's like, dude, you're thinking way too. You just you're out thinking this whole thing. Right. It's not going to get. It almost never gets to a third possession. We've never even seen that happen. I don't think. Like, it's crazy to me. I don't think people realize. And Shanahan, as a play caller. If you've never called like offensive football in your life, this might not make sense to you. But let me put it this way, in simple terms. It's first and 10. You have four downs to get a first down in football, right? Barring any penalties or anything happening. Most of the time, if you don't get the first down within the three downs and it's fourth and more than two or, you know, one or two yards, you're probably going to punt the ball to, you know, pr- let your defense continue to protect the scoreboard and play field position. When you know going into the drive in every single first and 10, first and 10, first and 10, you know that you have now four snaps guaranteed because you can't punt it because if you punt it, the game's over. You have to get first downs. It transforms how you're calling plays. You now have a whole added play each time to move the chains down the field. It is you can be incredibly aggressive on on first down if you want. You can run the ball on third and seven if you want and get it to fourth and two. You know, because you're going to see a softer defense. You can run play action knowing that, you know, you could run it two times in a row if you want, knowing that you're going to have that extra down. And the Chiefs, several times on that game-winning drive, used fourth down conversions, and they used third and, and tough 
and made it yeah. fourth and very reasonable several times, yep. taking yep. advantage of the situation. You can't you can't tell me that you know it's not the only reason they lost the game in overtime, but it is a huge part of it because you give Andy Reid a genius play caller mastermind like that a four an extra down every single time. It's already hard enough to stop him in three downs. Right. And Kyle Shanahan, as a head coach as long as he's been and as good of one as he is. There's no excuse to not knowing and understanding that. And well, I don't, I honestly well, don't know. Maybe he didn't know the, like the players are coming out and saying that they never went over it. And meanwhile, the chiefs players well, that, are I mean, coming out and saying they reviewed this. I they was had to say, they, that's, that's a failing in of itself because I was aware of the rule change. I was, I was actually shocked to hear not only from the players, but even just fans or, or you know, spectators that were saying they weren't aware of the, the postseason. Yeah, I didn't know about it. I, I had Pat Mahone, that bills game, that insane bills game is the, the direct reason why this overtime rule change was initiated. And it wasn't this past off season. It was the off season before that it was, it was after, you know, the season off season. I guess we just haven't game. seen a, a game big it. enough where it's happened. We've seen it where it's once since the rule. And it was sometime last year and it was not the Super Bowl. Obviously it was some other, but yeah. So the, those are the new postseason rules where it's not sudden death um, for a touchdown that the other team is going to get the ball no matter what. Um, so yeah, I mean to hear Shanahan say that he didn't know that's that's what it was was crazy to me. I, I well, he never he never admitted that he didn't know, but the players players were saying led sure. us to believe that he maybe Shanahan knew it, but he sure as hell didn't communicate it to his to, to his team because the Chiefs players well, all again, said that's, that's the players' fault too. I mean, this is your job, man. A little I bit, don't know a little bit, John. But honestly, it's on the coaches to educate their team and to go over sure. situational football. Andy Reid and the Chiefs. The players knew about it. You know why? Not because they went and studied it on their own, because Andy Reid brought in officials and right. said, hey, go over the rule changes for this year. Go over some examples of what could happen. And then they practiced that situation. The Chiefs actually had a period of practice throughout the year that they would practice like once or twice, a, you know, every every so often, where it's, end of, it's overtime in a playoff game. We need a touchdown, and we're going for two. So they would practice that period and already have these two-point plays uh, practiced out that they've been doing for months so they knew the second they even if the Niners scored they knew they were going to go down the field score and then they were not going to settle for tying and giving them the ball back they were going to go for right. two and that makes sense and Shanahan probably should have known that like I don't know it, it's crazy to me huge mistake people that are trying to justify it the only the only even close to plausible excuse he has is that the defense was gassed, but I'm calling bullshit on that because they literally had 15 minutes of real time to recover and rest. Any of those people that are, are complaining about that, go outside, run 10 sprints, get gassed, and then start a stopwatch and wait 15 minutes and see if you're still gassed. Right. <laughs> you're usually recovered. I don't even care if you're obese. You're probably recovered. Like right. it, it, these are professional athletes. It's what they're paid millions of dollars to do. It's the biggest game in the world. Like a cast of trainers sitting there ready to go for their every need. I mean, you got with, with you got oxygen masks, you got oxygen and, masks. dude, it's insane. Got... Like there's, and, and they have substitutions. Like you can, like these, these defenses are reloading defensive linemen and it's crazy, dude. Like, I don't know. I can't believe it uh, on a stage that big. To mess yeah. up like that, it, and it's really it was just a, it was just a dumb error. Like it's that's all it is on the coach, and you can. Fred Warner like literally got all excited and said the receive thing like he thought it was oh we're getting the ball it's over we're gonna go down and score, like that's what I think that a lot of the team no. I was curious to see what would have like if the Niners would have scored a touchdown on their first drive would they have like 
acted like they won the game. Oh, no. You know what I mean? So bad, yeah. Thank God that didn't happen because that would have really showed the truth. But I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if Shanahan was aware. I assume he was. He just didn't communicate it to his players. And Fred Warner, the captain who went out there for the coin toss, clearly didn't know. Yeah. Um, And a lot of these other players have come out and said that they weren't aware of the rule either, which means either he didn't know about it as a head coach or he didn't communicate it to his team, that's, which that's equally as bad. Equally yeah, as bad. It's mismanagement in either way. Um, but yeah, so obviously crazy, crazy ending to that that game. Like I said, for first half, kind of, a, you know, you could call it a snoozer just depending on what your perspective on special teams and defense kind of being a defining factor in football. Um, but yeah, I mean, great, really entertaining Super Bowl between really solid teams. And Mark, I think you're right too. I just want to take a second to give Brock Birdie his flowers because – I, th- I do think that he rose to the occasion. Moment wasn't too big for him. Played good football, accurate passer, minimized mistakes. Um, and, you know, I think anybody that's coming away from this game saying that he's, like, not the guy is absolutely insane. Uh, if you're trying to compare him to Patrick Mahomes, no, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Um, guess what? Nobody is on this planet. And to lose to Patrick Mahomes, who has a hell of a lot of experience in this situation at this point in his career versus Brock Grudy, who's there for the very first time, I mean, I thought he did his job. I thought they hung in there. And I would attribute coaching, you know, 10 times more before I attribute this loss to any decision or, or plays that Brock Purdy made personally. So He gave his team a chance to win. He put his team in position to win the game. And, um, you know, other things failed him. But he, he did enough for the Niners to win this game on his own. And totally. I think he can he can hold his head high knowing that. Another One other key special teams thing, John, we didn't cover was the, the blocked extra point. You know who blocks that extra point? No. Mike Dana, my former teammate from uh, Central Michigan, Michigan, Michigan grad transfer. Um, Yeah, he got his hand up and blocked it. It was a it was a very low kick, but that was arguably just as big of a play in that game as any other play because keeping it at a three point game or yeah, keeping it a three point game. That's how they tied it. Easily. That's how they tied it. You know. Um, Right, and they had enough time on the clock probably to run two plays if they had to um but you know but it's harder to score a touchdown than to kick a chip shot you know what i mean exactly so and now you know buckers about as automatic as they come at this point in his career so um look we got one last thing on the agenda um for this episode because since last episode all of the nfl honors were announced and i think mark and i next week are going to go and kind of do our own award ceremony for for certain things situations players um you know, some will correlate one for one with what the NFL awards. And I think we might make up a few of our own as well. So uh, starting with the MVP conversation, obviously this is regular season only. And that's important grain of salt to take when discussing any of these accolades that anybody got, which is dumb to begin with, if we're being honest. uh, Yeah. uh, Well, especially if you announce them the, the, you know, three days before the Super Bowl. if if that's the case, why don't we consider the postseason? Right. I should. Yeah. So, Anyways, Lamar coming out as the MVP, I personally think this is the one that made the most sense. And, and me and Drew had a long conversation. If, you know, there's a quarterback that's had a really strong season, good winning record, or, you know, most winningest record or whatever, that, that's who this this award has traditionally gone to. Uh, Lamar, you know, checked both those boxes. This, this statistically had a really solid season, and they were the most winning team in the regular season. Makes sense, right? Aaron Rodgers awards, whatever. Um 
So second one for Lamar. Um, I, I personally, I'm struggling to think of a player that was more valuable in the regular season um, than Lamar. I think there's a couple other quarterback arguments you can make, but this one didn't surprise me. Not sure if I would change it. Josh Allen. That's all I'll say. I think For Josh sure. Allen crushed him in numbers, had a, had an amazing turnaround, taking the Bills all the way up to the two seed. Um, he just did so much for his team, dude, and his stats were so much better than Lamar's. And with not as good of a defense, with his defense banged up, um, not as good of a run game, I just think Josh Allen did way more for his team and was way more valuable to the Bills than Lamar was uh, to the Ravens, in my opinion. Fair enough. Um, This is the one that I have stewed over the most. Coach of the year, um, going to Stefanski. Look, to have the season that they did with the roster problems that they did, Nick Chubb blowing out his knee, obviously Watson going out for the, the year, having to start four different quarterbacks and still make, you know, being a playoff team. Totally understand it. Um, and I get that these awards are kind of given in the year vacuum. Um, and Mark, I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. If you look at the body of work, the improvement that's made, all the things that go into that, I struggle to see how this this award doesn't go to Dan Campbell personally. I, and that's the problem is maybe the Lions in a vacuum this year. You could say that Stefanski had a better situation, but I mean, Detroit's winning football for the first time in 30 years. Like, I think I think you consider that it's it's kind of and honestly, a lot of Browns on these awards that we're going to go through all things considering given the fact that they didn't win a playoff game this year. It's a, you know, John, you could argue Dan Campbell and I agree he's ahead of, uh, he should be ahead of Stefanski, but you know who I think should be ahead of both of them? D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans, uh, when you compare him head to head with Stefanski, first of all, he beat him in the playoffs right? <laughs> with a rookie quarterback and a rookie of the year. I mean, he drafted two, three, and both of them were offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Right. And he turned around. I mean, the Texans franchise, man, like you talk about the Lions struggling. The Texans are a newer franchise, but they have also struggled greatly uh, for most of their existence. And I mean, they speed ran the Lions team, rebuild. Dude. Like literally oh, dude, speed ran the rebuild. Flipped, he, D'Amico Ryans walked in that building, and they won a playoff game in year one. Dan yeah. Campbell, it took three years. Like you gotta, right. I'm not trying to discredit Dan Campbell. He was, he's my second guy in this vote. Right. Uh, and you could easily argue, and I would not bitch if he had won this, but I will complain because I think not only should he have gotten it ahead of Kevin Stefanski, but I also think D'Amico Ryans yeah. did a much better job. With what he, and, and Stefanski did a great job. Like you said, John, you hit it. You, you crushed it. Like his team got obliterated with injuries. The Browns were up against it all year long in a very tough division with a hard schedule with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Like, And they accomplished more than anyone thought they would. Give him credit, but was it the best coaching job of anyone in the league? No. Um, I think D'Amico Ryans and Dan Campbell did much better than um, Kevin Stefanski this year. So very weird. And that um, even if you now, don't take playoffs into account, I think that. Totally. Um, now, deserving of comeback player of the year, though, is Joe Flacco. This man went from watching games on his couch to, um, you know, making it to, to really helping drive this team to a playoff push. Um, this thing and- is this this award is crazy, John, because, you know, who he's going up against someone who died and came back to life. Yeah. You know, the only other person that did that, Jesus Christ himself. Like, how are you about to here's, get, like, here's the problem, Mark. This this is not called comeback person of the year. It's comeback player of the year. And Hamlin's Mark a player, Hamlin, dude. 
He, Ham yeah, was a player. He sure is, and he did not. He died he on the it. field in front of everyone, and still, the fact that he even walked, the fact that he even breathes Here's the on problem. his own. Here's the problem, Mark. You have to play, like, at least a couple meaningful downs of football this season, and the only down that I can remember Tamar Hamlin running the yep. entire season Negative and play. probably cost the team uh, the playoff victory, if we're being honest. I mean, that fake punt was atrocious, and it, it was, like, a stupid storybook like oh let's get the guy that died out here to go and redeem himself on this fake punt and he gets freaking crushed <laughs> you know what's crazy you know what's crazy I'm john sorry. is you know what's crazy is all damar hamlin had to do was live throughout this next season and not fuck up in a big way in a big moment <laughs> where a lot of I- and he would have won the award his yeah. odds to win this award john were like minus five thousand. like he was like a guarantee it didn't matter i thought joe flacco could literally cure cancer and he wasn't going to get comeback player of the year this year damar hamlin gets stuffed on that fake punt and all of a sudden it's like he's fucking done like his moment he he blew it in his big he moment. He was a healthy scratch, like I think, like twelve Dude, out of seventeen games. But he was gonna get. He was going to get the award, literally, no matter what, as long as he didn't make a mistake. And honestly, it wasn't even his mistake. It was a horrible play call. There horrible was nowhere play. to run. But he was the one who had the ball. He was the one who got tackled. He was the one we all saw not make the play, and it cost him Player of the Year, no doubt about it. And Joe Flacco deserves it. As I mean, he literally is. And he was damn near retired, never going to hear about him again. He comes out and he he put up MVP numbers the times that he was in the games he played. Yeah. So, yeah, he deserves it. But the fact that he's getting compared to DeMar Hamlin, who literally died in front of all of our eyes in primetime football and is playing still, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, what, what, what would you – if I went into the season and said, yeah, dude, this guy died last year and he's going to play again this year, you think he wins comeback player of the year? Yeah, you probably and, say yes. And a, a nine hundred and ninety-nine out of a thousand people are instantly going to go. Well, who else is going to win? Who else is going <laughs> to win? Oh, Joe Flacco because he threw for three hundred yards a few games in a row. Whatever. Like this guy died and came back to life, dude. Also, Baker Mayfield could have been in this conversation. One hundred percent could have been. Yeah. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, and how honestly, much li- how much lighter? No, Baker yeah. Mayfield. You know, he didn't oh, die hey, either. But Demar's alive, so we're good. Um, the media but, almost killed Baker, though. They 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 tried to kill him. They, they were did. very very tough on him. They made Baker the heel, and somehow the guy that you know sexually assaulted like thirty women was not as problematic as Baker Mayfield. Who, Baker like, kind gets, of has an ego. Like, Baker gets so much shit. Yeah, dude, poor guy. I, well, hey, it sounds like things are looking good in, in Tampa. I'm very happy for him. Um, and wishing him a long and prosperous rest of his NFL career. Offense player trust. Uh, Christian Caffrey. I think this one's pretty undisputed. I, I think most people were saying Christian McCaffrey should even be in the MVP conversation. I mean, he, since this man has been healthy, basically the past two years, he is undisputably the best running back in football. Um, I don't think there's any conversation that needs to be had around it. He is a weapon. I don't think anybody's arguing this one. I, if, if I had to, you know, elect somebody for it, this, this would be my pick personally. The only other guy that was on track to get this award, I mean, obviously you could put like the uh, some of the other quarterbacks in that conversation. It's always right. going to be skewed to them. But uh, Tyreek Hill was on track, and uh, his injury kind of screwed him. Tyreek Hill was going to have over 2,000 receiving yards. And uh, had the Dolphins continued the way that they were looking like they were going to continue, had he not gotten hurt, I think that you could have a debate for it. But, yeah, Christian McCaffrey does it all, dude. Blocks, catches balls out of the backfield. 
is the best pure rusher running back in the league as well. Change of direction, power backs, can run away, can separate from you. Um, he does everything, man. He's literally a jack of all trades and totally deserves this award. And I'm happy for the guy, a guy that's battled injury most of his career, finally finds his, his, his home in San Francisco where he can really shine, stay healthy, and get behind a great O-line with a great um, yep. running play call. And that's been massive for his career, man, because Carolina's O-line was, you know... Never and he had great good. years there too. Like he was, and he, and he had great. He years, was an MVP. But... He was an MVP. Did he? He was an MVP candidate in Carolina a couple times. I, I think so. But what, where I was going with that is that it always his seasons always got cut short because he didn't have the best blocking, and I think that yep. led to a, you know increased number of injuries. Um, defensive Player of the Year, you know Miles Garrett. I, I think most people can get on board with this one. Um, I think you could make an argument for Snead. I would say he was truly the only true lockdown corner this entire season. I would he like. Was I pretty mean, damn good. He was really um, good. Um, you could you could argue T.J. Watt. His numbers, um, his, his regular numbers, season numbers were absolutely his numbers disgusting. Were, his numbers were better than Miles Garrett directly when you compare them in almost every category. I did uh, see he, though that T.J. Watt had the lowest double team rate out of all sack leaders, which I thought was interesting. Um, interesting. Also, also, the Steelers didn't win as many. You know, like it wasn't like. Right. I, I guess they were like basically equal to the Browns. They both lost first first round. Um, but Miles, I mean, Miles Garrett was, was so good this year. It's he tough to say like, this year. Yeah. He, he did so much for that defense and, you know, TJ Watt, you could argue, um, definitely for I, sure. either one of those guys gets the award. I'm not going to complain. Like, I think they're right there. I think it's one, a one B it's tough that you have to give it to one guy. It's one of those yeah. awards where it's so close and they both were so good and have yeah. been so good for a long time. Um, it's tough. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Stroud. I think everybody saw this one coming from a mile away. Honorable mentions that I do think are deserving of having conversations about. Uh, two of them, Puka Nakua, Sam Laporta, uh, both respectively uh, had some of the best rookie seasons at their respective positions. That Of uh, all time. Had, of all time. Uh, Sam Laporta was the first uh, tight end in about 35 years to be TE1 as a rookie. Um, I think it was like 1980 something that the last time that the, the rookie tight tight end uh, was was T one. Um, this is using fantasy points, by the way, so you can you know obviously that that skews heavy towards what statistical season he had, but I digress. And then Puka Nakua, obviously breaking Puka the, the had a legendary record, season. yeah, incredible legendary so. season. And uh, I mean, you could even throw Jameer Gibbs in there. Uh, he like was kind could, of a late bloomer in in the yeah. year, but he was outstanding as well. There was a lot of great rookies. Um, and one of the just... better offensive rookie classes that I remember personally, I mean, there was a lot of good players that could have been up for, for this award. Um, and a lot of, you know, key contributors very early on. So yeah, I gotta love that. And then, um, you know, defensive rookie of the year, I, there was a lot of good ones here too, honestly, but you know, I think Will Anderson makes sense. Uh, I, I, you know, what double digit sacks, I mean, you know, Houston, again, that turnaround is really notable. I think he's a match made in heaven for D'Amico Ryans. Uh, you know, lots. Of, I mean, he he's already playing like he's a five year vet. You know, that's that's kind Which of is what, what they said when he was out coming out in the draft process. Yeah, right. Saban said that a lot of guys said it. He was so ahead of his time mentally that they knew he'd come in and not play like a rookie. Yeah. Um. So. Makes sense there. And then did I did I grab all the major awards? I mean, I don't know if you know anything about these guys' charity life, but you know, Walter 
Peyton Man of the Year. So that's I mean, a lot of these guys do a lot of these guys do a lot, so it's hard know. for the you know, that I, award is, I, is I'm just tough. being funny. Um Um Jalen Carter, you could argue in that defensive player of the year, rookie player of the year. Um he had a great season, dude. Dominant season. Um but that I mean, yeah, not a ton of rookies that stood out defensively from this this draft class, man. No, I don't think so. So um yeah, man. I mean, that's that's uh, basically it for this episode. I'm um, thinking about it. Like, you know, we got next week, like I said, we're going to do a little bit more season recapping. Uh, last week, we pulled up all our receipts and had to face those and see what takes aged poorly and what takes aged well. Obviously, um, you know, next week is going to be less of that and more just talking about key moments, you know, where opinions were at particular points in the season and how things ended up teams that were able to kind of flip their narratives around, you know, Casey being one of a few different teams that did it look great halfway point, then, you know, totally flip things around green Bay, things like that. Um, you know, big headlines, big moments, all that good stuff gearing up for season three. I mean, we got free agency right around the corner mere what four or five weeks away here. And then obviously draft shortly after that, which we went very hard for the draft last year, and we want to double those efforts this year. So I'm, yeah. I'm pumped up, man. You guys you guys can expect to see, just so you guys have an idea of what's coming here in the near future on the Practice Squad pod, we've got um, obviously free agency talk, and we will continue to do weekly episodes with updates, current events, because really news in the NFL never stops. There's going to be offseason drama. There's going to be trade rumors, trade demands. There's going to be free agency signings. There's going to be draft prep you know analysis we're gonna do draft prep with film on specific players usually some some of these uh more controversial players quarterbacks maybe some of the top receivers running backs pass rushers stuff like that we're gonna do film breakdowns of those players here so you're gonna be able to get like a full analysis of what your team might be getting uh draft projections uh we're gonna rate the draft after the draft each team once they draft we're gonna rate their picks we're gonna go through and say why it was good why it was bad why it's a good fit why it's a bad fit um i'm gonna go do with john some film breakdown of this past um some of the games from this past season some of the bigger games we're gonna probably start with the super bowl coming up here soon get some of the most you know important plays from the game some plays maybe you didn't notice were important some little details uh some coaching errors some some coaching highlights and break down film from some of the bigger games that a lot of people watch, whether that's playoff games, whether that's maybe some rivalry games that happen in the regular season. Um, but we're going to go through and do that as well. So a lot of cool stuff coming. Uh, we're really excited about the offseason. gives us more time to do that kind of thing. And we love football, so we're going to find a way to continue to make it relevant because it's king. Even the offseason, football is king. And you know that's what else the, you, that's you the love, goddamn Mark? truth. And we'll, we'll end it on this. You know what else you love? Standardized tests. And you have a debt today no. that is now over a year old, actually. That's true. And so, that look, I threatened after the Super Bowl was over, um, if Mark didn't take it upon himself to actually go and sign up for this freaking test, that we would do it on stream and we would just sit here and screen share and walk Mark through signing up for the ACT because he's been avoiding it and he, he can't even say he hasn't been at this point. He's been actively avoiding it. I'm not denying um, anything. I'm not denying it. Yeah, so uh, inverse Lannister, he is not repaying his debts currently, and so I gotta, you know, uh, function as collections effectively and make sure that it gets paid because I need to see uh, a man in his late twenties taking a test for juniors in high school. It's gotta happen if they even allow it, which we don't know for sure if they will. Right? I, if which, they allow it, yeah. If they allow it, I'm down. If and if not, I'll find a way to take the damn test. Like, <laughs> well, we can pivot. Uh, Mark is 
very well connected in the public schooling yeah. community, given the fact that his dad is a teacher and a lot of the coaches he works with are as well. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get you plugged in, buddy. We'll get, we'll get plugged in. Um, All right. <laughs> Thanks, and I everybody. was wrong. And I want to say this, John, on a, on a positive note, because we can end the episode like that. It's great. But we'll say I was very wrong about that take. And that was, that was a last year's take this year. We were pretty spot on with our takes. We've grown. We've been right a hell of a lot more than we were wrong. I think I finished at 49 and 23 in my picks, in my best bets picks this year. That's pretty damn notable. So, crazy, yes, man. I will be taking the ACT. Yes, I will pay my debts for a wrong take from two years ago now. But I think I got better this year. I you was just made me much more odds. Uh, I think I just ended perfectly at 500 with the Super Bowl picks as well because I think I was 34 and 36. So there we go. And came in when it matters. Won won the big money. Uh, like I said, I did I you do the under goal. as well? Yeah, I took. I took. So you went under. You went AC under and, and under. Yep. Yeah. So you were. Listen, if you you go you go 500 in your best bets picks, you know what that means you are not a loser, and I'm even going to count that as a winner. Because yeah, I mean, it's I'm tough at, to I'm do. Most people are up, negative so. when they finish a when they finish a season. Vegas has to it, make their it, money somehow. So I'll yeah, tell you this a- though: you know how Vegas doesn't make money when people follow, subscribe, and listen to our takes and then ride with us. That's how yeah. you win money. That's how you beat Vegas. That is how you beat the system. Okay. And you we can figure it out to us by buying some merch. By the way, helps Buy us. Some merch. Subscribe. Gambling, follow. Generous. Comment. I don't care if you comment hate. You can comment how ugly we are. I don't really care. But you should support us some way, you know, because if you listen to this episode 50 minutes worth through, why not? Why not go and toss us a hate comment or maybe a love comment? Spread love in the world. Too much hate in the world. Spread some love. And with that, kicking off season three, we're excited to ride with you guys for yet another year. Really appreciate all of the support. We've had a lot of progress this year for real. Uh, We wanted to end the season around 500 subscribers. We, We bested that quite a bit. View counts looking good, all that good stuff. We appreciate the support thus far greatly, and we uh, hope to continue to deliver on some pretty solid football content for the rest of the season. I think this goodbye has been like four minutes now, so we'll wrap it up there. See you guys next week. Peace. See you guys.